Welcome to Reinventing Nerds. Dr. Joni Cannell shares communication strategies for technical people. She shares her own stories of learning to communicate and brings in other nerds and experts to show you how to interact with people in a way that's comfortable for you. And now, here's your host, the uniquely qualified engineer-turned-psychologist, Dr. Joni Cannell. Hello, and welcome to Reinventing Nerds. Today we've got a really unusual program. We're talking to Christine Barth. She works with people and teams to challenge their current thinking, and she also is committed to their growth experience. Christine has a nerdy background, don't worry. Uh, She has worked in IT, project and product management, as well as cultural integration. Her current work focuses on team culture and individual growth. But Christine is going to talk to us today about having a healthy relationship with work. And she believes that a healthy relationship with your work is key to a healthy life. So let's welcome Christine. Hi, Christine. Hi, Joni. I'm really excited to be here. I'm so glad you're here. I mean, when we were talking recently about this topic, I thought, wow, I have to get the nerds to hear it because this is so much of what they're challenging. You know, their, their challenges are they're facing right now at work, especially during the pandemic. It's just been top of mind for everyone. So um, I, I can't wait to hear what you have to say. But, you know, our nerds first want to hear a little bit about your background and how you understand them in the tech world. So tell us about your background in technology. You started out as a business analyst and moved into program management in IT. How did you do that? What, what interested you in that? Yeah, yeah. So back at the beginning of my career, I um, actually started in a network operations center, um, a small company that um, was standing up their 24 by 7 um, uh, on-site monitoring. And so we needed to have staff there. So I was a part of that, which was a great, great opportunity to do something technical. Um, And and at the same time, I also had gotten a job at the local phone company. And so I worked there and I uh, moved into a business analyst position in IT there. So I was doing all kinds of cool stuff like um, automating the provisioning of new features like um, uh, call waiting and other things like that. So got to really work with um, some very technical people there and really improve and grow my um, IT analysis skills. Anyone that knows me knows how many questions I like to ask. So um, being a business analyst was always a really great um, role for me. I love to really dig deep into why do you need that? What are you going to do with it? So that was great. And then over time, moved into project and um, product management. Um, after the phone company, I worked for Mattel. I got a wonderful opportunity to work for uh, their e-commerce and web marketing teams and support um, some big brands like American Girl, Fisher Price, Barbie. And so that was super cool and super cool to move into um, a consumer facing um, technical solution. So that was neat. Um, at one point, we even built a um, multiplayer online game. I called it the World of Warcraft for eight-year-old girls. So that oh, was- Oh, what kind of Warcraft are, are girls at eight years old into? Yeah, 
So in the American Girl line, right? So um, dolls and learning and history and all this stuff. So they would um, buy a physical product and they'd also get um, access to an online, um, you know, they could play this game online. And so it would show up with their um, doll that looked like them, right? They got mm-hmm. to configure a doll that looked like them. And then they would um, spend time, you know, moving around this virtual world. And um, it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool to see all the technology that came together um, to put that in place. Oh, that's exciting. It's exciting. And after that, I graduated from um, grad school and decided it was time to get out of the snow in Wisconsin and move to San Diego and took a position with a finance company. And we built out a brand new um, business channel for internal legal collections. Um, so that was a really cool opportunity to um, stand up a new business unit and work incredibly closely with the business to use IT to really enable, um, uh, you know, cost-effective and compliant um, solution for them. So that was, yeah. And um, that was probably, yeah, the the biggest IT, you know, transitions I've done. I've also um, done implementations of Agile. So that's been a big part of my career too, is, is really looking at how we deliver um, the technical solutions and how we can partner more effectively with the business. So, okay. Oh, I have some interesting questions for you about agile and healthy relationship with work. Maybe you can cue that up in the back of your mind. Yeah. Um, yeah, these two week or four week sprints and just, uh, endless, endless work. Um, but let's, let's just talk for another second here about, you um, you transitioned from IT to learning and development. That just that's a term that we often use in human resources and everything. Learning and development is essentially explain that first to our tech audience, just to make sure they get that. And you know what that transition was, and and how did you do that? Yeah. So learning and development can span different things in different organizations, but essentially what it is, is training, right? There's a lot of training aspects. And so there's either operational or job functional training. So that's, you know, how do you use a new system that was implemented? You know, what what procedures do you execute? So that's sort of the operational side of it. And then on the other side of it, there's leadership and development. Um, So this is behavioral training. So how do you... um, you know, how do you motivate team members? How do you, um, you know, have situational leadership styles that will impact your team in the various places individuals are at um, different points in their um, day and in their career? Um, so that's really, you know, learning and development spans all of that training. You know, we do it both virtually, we do it in the classroom. Of course, post pandemic, um, there's a lot more virtual than we had before. Mm-hmm. So doing a lot of Zoom training. Um, so yeah, that's learning and development. And, and so I was working in IT and I, um, our company had just done an acquisition of one of its biggest competitors. And I came into a group that had two very distinct cultures. So within the team, some of the, um, you know, from one company and some from another. And, and so I work to bring them together and really understand how they could merge into a unified team um, to deliver at the time we were, we were really an operational support team. And so um, in that process, I 
started to get really clear about the part of my job that I loved most, which was leading people and really understanding how we work together, why we work the way we work, how we can be effective, like in what roles are we more effective? How do you utilize the strengths on a team um, to accomplish all of your goals? How does one team member help another in an area of opportunity, right? So all of those sorts of things. So I started to get really clear on that. And I remember having conversations with a number of different people and saying, I wish I could just spend all my time on these people, you know, situations and not as much on the systems, the technical systems. And so with that, I actually um, decided I was going to take some coaching training. So I signed up for some of that, did um, a coach certification program, which absolutely altered the, my career path. Um, but at the time, I mean, it shifted how I led, but I still was in IT for, for a number of years um, using those skills, both um, with the team that reported to me, as well as um, my leaders, right? So leading up and helping support my leadership. Um, so, so with that, I was um, continuing to have conversations internally in my organization about what I wanted in my career and how I might be able to do that internally without having to leave the organization. And ultimately found my way into HR, um, and I did some operational training for a short period of time and then very quickly moved into um, designing and, and facilitating leadership development cohort programs for our senior leaders, um, which I think, um, you know, I was able to bring to that position an understanding of what it's like to be out there in the different functions, right? Have a different perspective, know what it's like to manage the budget, to you know be driving for these deadlines and have really great rich conversations during the trainings that we were um, working on. Yeah. yeah, you know, that actually makes me think like being in the classroom and, you know, the whole ivory tower syndrome when universities, like these professors who are teaching how to do stuff and have never really done it. Um, similar into an organization, you've got people who are trained in learning and development, but have not having actually done the jobs that they're training people to do. So you could bring that perspective like this is no, wait a minute, when we're applying this technique, this, this is the context. And these are the realities of what works and what may not jive yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I think it provides a level of credibility and, and not even as yes, for the, the, learners in the room, but also for myself, right? To be able to stand up there and, and feel confident that I could relate and connect to, to the people that mm -hmm. I was trying to support, right? That mm -hmm. I, I wasn't, um, yeah, in that theory space of, yeah. you know, it can be, it can be a little tough in um, some of these groups, similarly with IT, right? If you're in IT, you think everybody knows all your IT language. Yeah. You know, if you're in HR, you think everybody knows the HR language or that, that everybody else spends just as much time focused on these mm -hmm. things and they don't, right? So having that different perspective, I think is a real game changer. Yeah, interesting. Um, that's, I'm so glad you're here to help educate people about that. Yeah, well, let's, let's move into this relationship with work though, because it sounds like, I mean, part of your transition was having a healthier relationship to work because it was work that you love to do finding out what you love, but I'm sure there's more to it than that. So let's, let's find out how do you define, first of all, how do you define a person's relationship with work? What does that mean? 
Yeah. Yeah. So a relationship, I mean, we often think about it between two people Mm -hmm. and, but a relationship is a connection between two things, right? We can have a relationship to money. We can have a relationship to um, our physical environment. Um, So a relationship um, with work to me and and is really um, about meaning, right? So we give something meaning. Uh, It's about growth and shared goals. So I think those are three components that are really important in a relationship with work. And in a healthy relationship with work, right, we would have positive meaning, like an amount of meaning. I don't think everybody needs to have, um, you know, this is my life's mission, right? My work doesn't have to be just this life's mission, but it needs to have enough meaning that it's beneficial to me, right? That I'm getting something back from it. And then I want to have some growth in the work that I do, right? That doesn't always mean promotion, doesn't mean taking on more responsibility all the time, but we as humans like to learn things. We like to do different things, to try out new things. So that growth can be lateral, right? Um, But there's growth. And then shared goals, which I think is really key in a relationship with work, is that it's not one-sided, right? It's not that your um, employer or your job gets everything and you have nothing left for yourself, right? That you're just, you know, giving, giving everything to um, the job or vice versa, right? Um, if the employer or the job thinks it's giving everything to the employee, that's not working, right? There's a, there's an imbalance there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, day in and day out, there's probably imbalances all the time, but over time, you know, we want to even out. Okay. So you just helped us understand uh, what the components are of uh, a person's relationship with work, what kinds of uh, relationships seem unhealthy? Um, and we'll also talk about what a healthy one looks like, but let's start with unhealthy, especially in the tech fields. I mean, cause you've had a lot of experience there. What, what does that look like? Yeah. Yeah. So an unhealthy relationship with work really brings out a lot of negative emotions, right? So I would say things like, you know, fear, anxiety, stress, worry, right? Those negative emotions. And so when I think about some examples of um, an unhealthy relationship, so I think back several years ago, one of my team members would answer a lot of emails after hours, right? There's, you know, I'd always notice, oh, this, this person's, you know, doing late night work, and I remember pulling him aside and saying, you know, what, what do you, what's going on? Like why the late hours, why, you know, these tasks don't even really seem urgent. And it was why well, I think, if, you know, I think I need to answer them, right? I think I've like this, I, I feel like I have to get back right away with these answers and that's how I'm going to be valued. And that's how I'm going to show my value. And really my thought on that was, and my guidance for this employee was, but we're in IT and we need to show up fresh and ready for an outage at any time, right? And so I think about, yeah, so if, if, if I'm working 50 plus hours a week, whatever you're, you know, we all have a different threshold, but if you're working 50 plus hours a week regularly, and that's just, you know, a, a run of the mill week, nothing, nothing significant going on. And then I also need to call you for an outage. You're already depleted. Right. And so, so that to me was an unhealthy relationship with work. It was like, I need you to be able to show up fresh and ready to go for an outage and not running yourself, um, you know, too hard on a regular basis. So some of the other things that I think about with 
um, an unhealthy relationship in the tech field, I, they would be things like um, gold plating, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to deliver more than the customer asked for. Mm-hmm. And I think there's unhealthy things in there around um, not engaging your customers in how you spend your time, right? There's a mm-hmm. cost to all of our time spent. So how do you partner more effectively, right? This isn't, this isn't, you know, the pristine sort of customer service. This is saying, I'm using your time maybe a little bit irresponsibly because you didn't ask for this, right? And you could have prioritized something else. So I think gold plating, I think there's us versus them. I mean, how many times have we experienced the run an outage call or we've got, you know, an incident that we're responding to and, you know, the network team and the server team and they're pointing fingers and they're not working together. I mean, it's always someone else's, you know, have you talked to this team or um, other behaviors that show up? Um, Again, with the outage example, uh, when we have someone who maybe made a change but isn't willing to say it right? There's some fear that if I talk about the thing I implemented the other day, I'm going to get in trouble for it, Mm -hmm. right? And so instead, we have, you know, multiple people chasing around trying to figure out (laughs) what's different, and nobody can find the answer, and somebody's sitting there quiet, right, in in fear, right? So that's unhealthy. Um, I think IT, my experience, is it can be quite competitive, Mm -hmm. Right. There can be a lot of, and even, even in like individual competition, right. I'm competing with myself right. to be better and better and better and better. Right. And so it's, it's these, it's really about the negative emotions that show up that drive this behavior, right. There's healthy competition, there's healthy customer service. And then there's, I'm doing it out of fear or um, concern or a lack of, you know, self-worth, um, you know, a lack of trust in the people I'm working with. Mm-hmm. I really love what you said that uh, at the beginning was not only is it, uh, you know, just that you have to have a reasonable uh, work life balance or approach to work. So you're not over depleted, but that comes up even more so when something goes wrong or when you have to get called in, because if you're not fresh and ready, everything just spirals from there. And that's something I see in, in so many fields, but especially in the technical ones, people are already working so hard. They're not really planning for that. Whoops. When I have to get called in to work late tonight, because I'm already tired. It's Thursday. I've been working hard all week and I haven't had any time with my family and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now I have to pull it all together and be uh, you know, be there and uh, ready to ke- go further. So um, that's, that's something that the people are just sort of winging it day to day and just putting a bigger picture in there. Um, in addition to the rest of what you just said, which was like, those examples were so, so poignant, um, all the different ways that we can um, have fear and anxiety and stress and um, unpleasant interactions and just feelings as we're working day to day. So how about let's flip it around for a moment and talk about um, what does a healthy relationship uh, with work look like? Yeah. Yeah. So this is the fun part, right? Mm-hmm. This is, um, the healthy relationship with work really is around emotions like curiosity, creativity, um, purpose, right? So when you feel 
like pulled to do something, right? Oh, I want to work on that problem, right? And I, I actually enjoy outages. I don't love the hours of them. Those have been tough, but, but I do enjoy it. Like, oh, this is a problem to solve. Let's figure it out. Let's understand how we can best support the business in this degraded level of service, mm-hmm. right? So I love that puzzle and challenge. Um, so a healthy relationship with work is one where you're showing up with those positive emotions, right? You're not in fight, flight, or freeze, right? And you're, um, you know, you're clear-headed about how you um, want to tackle things and you're clear-headed even during those challenging times, right? So that's, so that's when you get the phone call that says, okay, you know, we've got this outage, it's priority one outage, and we need you to step away from your dinner table. And you aren't already feeling, you know, the weight of, again, here's more. Mm-hmm. I can't do this anymore. I need a different, I mean, that's the time when people are saying, I need a different job. Your spouse is, you know, mm-hmm. looking at you like, again, mm-hmm. you know, your kids want you, your dog's ready for, you know, the story, right? Yeah. Life can be really intense at times. And so that, yeah, that the healthy part is when you're like, I can do this because I am standing up tall and strong and ready to take on this challenge. Um, I think it's when you see a, a path forward for yourself, right? When you think I can sustain this, I see something for myself in this work that I'm doing, right? And sometimes that is giving you an opportunity to do things outside of work, right? Mm-hmm. We don't need, at, at all points in our lives, our, maybe our career isn't number one, Right. Sometimes it's this is giving me the opportunity to be with my family or to work on another hobby or to start that new business that um, I've been dreaming of, whatever that might be. Right. So but it's giving you that that meaning, right, that your work is happening for you and Mm -hmm. not to you. Okay, interesting. So how can people develop healthy relationships with work? How can we go from that depleted? Uh, again, kind of, I'm not ready to, I'm fresh and ready to go. And I'm, this is meaningful to me. Yeah. A really big underpinning of the work that I do is positive intelligence. And so this is a research backed approach to mindset shift and it brings in um, neuroscience, it brings in positive um, psychology, brings in cognitive, it's, it's a lot of different work that comes together to help you shift from these negative emotions to more positive, um, sustainable um, ways of working. Mm-hmm. And so I, I bring that in. I also think about what is, what's your goal, right? What is the purpose of work in your life? How does, what, what role does it fill for you? What role do you want it to fill for you? So really getting, and, and I like to think of, you know, your own personal definition of success, right. And purpose and work, not what you think the world wants for you. Right. We have, um, you know, your family might have thought something for you or given you some beliefs as in your family of origin and other things, but really getting clear on on what, um, what success looks like for you. I also think spending time assessing what brings you joy within the workday, right? So taking a moment to, you know, at the end of the day, just what did I do that, that gave me energy today Mm -hmm. at work? Mm -hmm. What did I do that depleted my energy? 
and thinking through that, you know, um, I go through with clients, a lot of uh, a list of tolerations. What are you tolerating? Mm-hmm. Right? You might be tolerating early mornings. Right? <laughs> We've spent a lot of time working with India, right? So it can be an early morning. I might be tolerating that. Some people love it. Some people don't. Um, you might be tolerating, um, you know, uh, uh, commute or a technology that is, you know, I don't like this technology, but that's what we're using. Mm-hmm. Right. So thinking about your tolerations. Another thing I, I like to think about in terms of how to create a healthy relationship with work is untangling your self work worth from your work product. Oh, right? big one. Okay. How do you do that? What's that? Yeah. Yeah. That's tough, right? Like I, you know, we are um, given so much feedback on what we deliver, right? Mm-hmm. And oftentimes that feedback can even come across as, um, Joni, you are good because your work product was good. Mm-hmm. You are bad because your work product was bad versus, you know, really specific feedback on your deliverable, right? And it's like, nope, you did bad work. So untangling that. And, and with the positive intelligence work, we get at the, um, there are 10 saboteurs or inner critics, right? With those, um, you really get a clear sense of what drives some of your thoughts and emotions and and ultimately then your behaviors and actions. And so that can be so key to disconnecting that self-worth from your work, right? Some of us are pleasers, right? So we're doing things that might be some of the gold plating. Um, we might have an, a saboteur, which is an avoider. So we're avoiding conflict because we think if we're in conflict, we will lose these relationships, right? We will damage them um, to a point where they can't be repaired. So understanding those um, saboteurs and those inner critics really helps, um, you know, separate you from your work product and, and know that those are two different things. Wow. That's really interesting. Uh, I feel like, especially in, in, these occupations in technology where people are creating things or, you know, innovating or creating products. Um, there is so much of like, Oh, it's my baby. It's, you know, this whole reflection separating yourself from that. And um, I think also what you were saying though, is sometimes uh, especially some of the technical leaders, it's hard to do something that they don't want to do that they you know, when somebody else wants a product feature or believes it should be done this way. Um, so separating yourself from that too, and doing it because somebody else believes it to be good or something like that. So it's, it just seems that separating yourself could make it a lot healthier. Right. Like the ideas we put forward, right. What you're bringing up is like these ideas we put forward. That's me being put forward. Right. Where it's like, no, it's just, it was an idea that I had. And if I can hold it a little bit more loosely, you know, what could we create from that? Right. And Mm -hmm. what, what's possible. um, And, and also holding the relationship um, with the people you're working with as really important, right. Because the work will change. We know this, we've seen, you know, technologies get decommissioned and, and lots of shifts over the years in technology. And so um, that stuff, you know, comes and goes and, and our ability to, to interact in a positive way with our coworkers in a meaningful way will always be there. Right. And that'll serve us. Right. Yeah. No, that's what I was thinking. And part of the collaboration um, aspect of it. So often people want to be right or want to do it their way. Cause they think it's better. 
and realizing, no, it's not necessarily you or your ego or yourself. This is really, um, you know, just somebody else's or it's, it's okay for it not to be about you. Um, and wow, that's, I think that can be very powerful, uh, for some folks. Yeah. Um, so, all right. What do you do specifically as a leadership coach to help people? I mean, you've talked a little bit about the saboteurs and all, um, is there some kind of technique that you want to talk about or anything like that? Yeah. So people often come to me when they're sort of at a loss for what to do next, right? I work with a, a fair amount of you know, what people would self-classify as burnout. Mm-hmm. So I'm burnt out or, or I feel as though, and I think this is part of burnout too. I feel as though um, my current role isn't making very good use of my skills, right? So sometimes we feel maybe stagnant or, um, you know, it's like, I'm looking for the next challenge. I'm looking for something that's exciting for me. And so they'll come to me, um, you know, with, I can't keep up with this or I'm, you know, I'm wanting more, right? Yeah. I'm wanting more in my role. And so what we focus on, we focus on both the, the goals. What, what is it that you want to do, mm-hmm. achieve? What would it look like? Right. So, so that's a bit, feels a bit more tangible. And so we'll get clear on that. And then we work on mindset. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a firm believer that mindset is everything, right? If we show up with the right mindset, we can tackle any problem, right? We are incredibly resourceful, incredibly creative beings. And so the saboteur work, the positive intelligence work really helps with that mindset of understanding what are some of your thought patterns and how can we start to intercept those negative thought patterns, the ones that are, are pushing you to do the work. They're the ones that are keeping you up late at night, that are having you um, rethink your, that presentation or that design or second guess yourself, right? Um, so you know, you also talked about you know as we interact with each other, right? Where are we you know digging our heels in, and where aren't we, right? Like that's a what's behind that is generally saboteurs, right? An inner critic, not your inner leader, right? Your leader that knows that well, we could try this and it, you know, might bring out something good and and we'll probably learn something and we can handle whatever comes our way. So we focus on, on that, um, that set of, you know, thought patterns and really figure out how to intercept those. The positive intelligence work has a huge component of mindfulness, little bite-sized pieces of mindfulness that help us switch to a more um, clear, more focused approach to the challenges that we face. So it gets us out of that fight or flight and brings us into a more sophisticated thought process. I like and then, yeah. Oh, the bite size. That's key. I think it's not so like you're taking an hour or two out of work. You've got a bite size. Well, okay, go on. Yeah. And, and bite size can be 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. It's so small and something you can do in the middle of, you know, the discussion, right? It doesn't have to be like you said, I meditated for an hour this morning and now I'm (laughs) golden for the day. Um, You know, that's great if you can get there, right? So um, kudos to those who've who've mastered that part of their practice, but this is bite-sized, right? And and so we, we work on building those muscles over a period of time so that you can um, recover more quickly. We will always experience 
I think these negative emotions, right. They're yeah. going to come up in the moment Ooh, that hit me and I'm frustrated or I, I, you know, you, you see, um, you know, an email from someone and you have that, you know, I, mm-hmm. you tense up cause you're worried about what it might say. Well, we're, we're always going to have that. It's about how quickly you can recover. How quickly can you come back to a place of creativity of, um, possibility, you know, I'm going to take a thoughtful action versus spend time in my mind, you know, stewing about the email or, you know, you know, how often do I have to, I'm going to, Joni, I need to call you and just complain about this situation for the next 15 (laughs) minutes. Or argue with somebody. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, so it's really about recovery. So this practice helps you recover more quickly. And, and we use this mindfulness over the course of the coaching as, um, as really our playground for learning and growing as you achieve those goals that you set out. So perhaps you're looking for a new job, perhaps you're looking for um, an opportunity for a different project within your organization. Um, and so, you know, that's just a great, um, playing field for practicing this mindfulness and this um, building these new thought patterns. Well, this has been extremely useful, Uh, Christine. I mean, you've talked about what it looks like to have an unhealthy relationship with work so that people can um, identify that and then what a healthy relationship could look like. So, um, wow, it might be important to take some steps to make that happen. If people want to reach out to you and um, talk about your coaching or anything else, follow up with you, what's the best way? Yeah. So um, two ways are you can reach me. Um, One is on LinkedIn and the other is through my website. My website's um, www.christine, it's K-R-I-S-T-E-E-N, Barth, B-A-R-T-H dot com. So christinebarth.com. And that's how you can find me on LinkedIn too. Um, and my big offer to this group, which I think is incredibly um, valuable and a, just I've seen it change the trajectory of people's lives, is I would like to give each person who reaches out to me um, a free saboteur assessment and 30-minute coaching session. Excellent. Thank you, Christine. We will have that on the show notes. So you can go to the website, reinventingnerds.com, and we'll find that there. Um, So you can click on the links and get in touch with Christine and do that saboteur assessment. So uh, we're out of time. So thank you so much for Christine for being a guest on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Joni. Yeah. And thanks to all of our listeners and viewers. Uh, Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review, and we'll see you next time. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Reinventing Nerds and encourage you to apply what you learned to help you communicate better. For a free consultation with Joni to see how she can help you further, please visit ReinventingNerds.com. Until then, embrace your inner nerd and remain true to yourself while you develop your communication strategies.